Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Please stand for today's gospel reading. Hear the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark chapter 1 verses 4 to 11. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right been given orders to stay behind this pulpit and I will do my best (laughs) to not travel around. So, thank you. That's how I'll begin today. Uh, We entered into the last month of the year needing somewhere in the neighborhood of $300,000 because we have an annual budget of $990,000. And I'm reporting to you today that we raised $993,524. You are an amazing bunch of people. Thank you very much. If, if there's just one request, it would be that you would be amazing sooner in the year. That would be, uh, <laughs> but you are an amazing bunch of people and we are honored to serve here. I'm glad to go to church here and I get to pastor here. So thank you. And thank you uh, for participating along with me. I, I said again, I'll say again, I, I need this day. I need this Wesley Covenant service. Uh, I need to be reminded of the stakes of the covenant that has been extended to me, but the one that I also choose. I choose it back. And I need to be reminded of the ramifications and the implications. And so I hope that you will understand this as more than just words on a page. I hope that this liturgy is for you work. It is the work of the people. There are people who resist that faith would require anything of them. These are the people who hear me when I say God's mind about you is made up and the news is good, and that's about all the energy they put forth listening to that phrase. Please hear me as I say to us, 
It will take a lifetime of work, work, liturgy, to deeply and finally and fully receive grace and then respond to it. It's not that God will change God's mind about you. That's, that part is set. But in order for you to fully hear it, in order for it to become a fulfilling energy in your life, in order for you to finally respond to it, in order for you to finally fill in this word, Christianity, it does take something from you. It will always require something of you. And all God's people said, that wasn't great, but we'll keep going. This is the 7th of January, which means that yesterday was the day of Epiphany. Now, the day of Epiphany is called in other cultures Three Kings Day. And it's called Three Kings Day. And let's go ahead and try to get that up on the screens up there if we could. It's called Three Kings Day because this is the point at which we retell this particular story. And just so we recognize all over again and are reminded how miraculous the story is, these three kings represent different faith systems, different languages of faith, different understandings of deities and how the world works and how those deities weave everything together. These were astrologers, astrologers, guys. Like, some of you do look in the newspaper to see what your zodiac sign tells you about the day and the week. God bless you. I don't think it's real, but God bless you if you do. These were those people. And somehow within that language of faith, God was able to speak that language just well enough and just often enough to say, there is something happening in the world that you need to go see. These astrologers heard in their own language, religious and otherwise, that they needed to go see this Christ child and to follow that star. They were pretty good at stargazing. And they followed that star all the way to the place where they found the king of all creation. Because God's that big. Because God can speak all of these languages. And so on Three Kings Day, we launched the season of Epiphany, which is also, I have always understood this as a season of surprise. We're surprised to see all the different places that God shows up. We're surprised to see how God shows up. We're also surprised to see that this God is, in fact, the king of all creation. The season of Epiphany picks up on the surprise found in Three Kings Day, that God shows up in surprising ways, surprising places, and surprising times. And then for the next several weeks, we celebrate God's surprising appearances called epiphanies, and we learn to announce the presence, but also the nature and the purposes of this surprising God. And we're going to do it with the sermon series. And thank you, Jim Smith, for this artwork here. We're going to do it with the sermon series called Haven't You Heard? And the title of today's sermon would be Haven't You Heard? That you are always invited. John, who is the you? You are always invited. Who is represented when you say you? Like you are always invited. The answer is yes. <laughs> All are invited by this God who is everywhere all the time and speaks all the languages, that's another good place for the people of God to say, much better, thank you. The first Sunday of the season of Epiphany is Baptism of Christ Sunday. Every year, it's Baptism of Christ Sunday. And every year on this Sunday, we explore the ramifications of Christ's baptism 
And then the ramifications of our own moments of baptism. If you haven't yet been baptized, you should get baptized. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. And we will celebrate along with you. In exploring these moments of baptism, we ask ourselves the questions. What happened? Where was God? What changed? Or what changes now? We're going to do that today. And we're going to do that today using one of my favorite baptismal passages. If you have your Bible with you, turn to one of my favorite passages about baptism, which can be found, well, it's easy to find. It's right at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Let me see if I can explain what I mean by calling this a baptismal passage. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Now, yes, you may, if you grew up with a King James Bible, you may recognize that this is a little bit different. In the King James Bible years and years ago, it would say something like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you get this sense that God created everything out of nothing. There's a term for that. Creatio ex nihilo, creation out of nothing. And I am not here to tell you that that's not the way it went. I'm here to tell you that this actually says something a little different, though, and I think you'll like how it is different. This says that, no, there was chaos already. <laughs> there was chaos everywhere. And then when God moved into the scene, God breathed and spoke into existence a particular kind of order to that chaos, which should be especially helpful to people who, still like they're st who feel like that they are still in chaos. Anybody? If you feel like that there is still some chaos out there, then maybe it's super helpful to you to know that here in this passage, God is seen as entering into the already existent chaos, and once there, breathes a particular order into that chaos. But God does so by speaking a word of invitation. This is important. God does so by speaking a word of invitation. It is not a word of coercion. You know this story, right? You know how these verses go. Here is just the first example. Verse 3, God said, this is a word of invitation, let there be light. What God does not say is, I said there would be light right now. Whether you like it or not, there's going to be light. No, God says, let there be light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. There are several more days that all follow a similar pattern. If you go to Jason's class, Jason will say, we have God who is doing some separating and then some decorating. Separating and then some decorating. Again, probably ought to take that class. That's a really fun chapter in that class. What I want to tell you is, there it is, the baptismal scene. All the elements that you need for a good baptism are present in this particular scene. Here's what I mean. You have the waters, the waters of chaos. And then you have the inviting voice of God. And then you have a new creation. And then you have the delight of God. It says here, it says here that God saw what happened 
and called it good. God will see the animals. God will see the separation of the land from the sea. And God will see the creation of humankind. And then God will say at the conclusion, everyone is, oh, I like that. I like that. The delight of God is woven into the very fabric of all of creation. Do you like that? I like that a lot. The delight of God is woven into all of creation. But the delight of God happens not because God says, I give you no choices, you're going to do this, and I said to do it right now. The delight of God happens when creation and when humankind accepts God's invitation to creation. When, God, when people accept God's invitation to life and to flourishing, when we say yes to the invitation of God, that's when new creation happens. Walter Brueggemann says it like this, creation is not overpowered by the creator. The creator not only cherishes his creation, but honors and respects it according to his own way, according to its own way in the relationship. Goes on to say, our text is clear about the kind of power which can genuinely create. In contrast to the Babylonian gods and every other form of oppressive power, the good news is that only God's gracious power can create. Yes, this is another kind of power, but no less lordly. This God speaks not of must be, but of let be. The language of invitation. Babylonian gods. Here, here's why that is pertinent to this particular passage. I don't know if you know this, but there's a real good possibility that these words, this creation story was written down not at the beginning of time, but perhaps when the people of God were in Babylonian captivity, in exile. Like, what? Are you sure this wasn't written down right at the beginning of all of time? Well, who would have written it down? Who, who would have been the news reporter, Ben, to be there at the very beginning of time to write it all down? We don't think that's how it happened. We have every reason to believe that this was written down for a people stuck in a very dangerous chaos. The chaos of defeat. The chaos of exile. The chaos of isolation. It's into this chaos that the words of the creation story are introduced so as to say to people stuck in a very dangerous chaos, this God is still inviting people to a better way to be alive. And regardless of your circumstances, regardless of the chaos you might find yourself in, this God is going to invite, is going to invite you, me, us, to a better way, a better life. Returning to Walter Brueggemann, this same dynamic of invitation is evident in the way of Jesus in Christ's work of renewing creation. Yes, Jesus functions with lordly power, but it is invitational. It is his invitation to embrace the new creation, not demand. And Jesus is not weak or timid or limited, but his power is grace-filled grace-filled. God is so strong that God doesn't have to make you do the thing. God is so strong that God invites you to join God in doing the thing. Have you said yes to God's invitation? Have you said yes recently to the invitation of God to partner with God in the mission and the purposes of God? Have you said yes today yet? Speaking of this Jesus character, I'm going to pick up 
Later on in this particular passage that Kelly read for us earlier, verse 9, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. Okay, well, there you have it. The waters of chaos, good baptism story. Roman occupation had caused quite a bit of chaos and pain and agony and defeat. You have the inviting voice of God heard in the voice of John the Baptist, come and be baptized, come and be joined to this God who has a mission and a purpose. And Jesus himself responds to this invitation. And then you have new creation. This Jesus is different coming out of the water. It is the tradition of the church to understand the people coming out of the water as very different, so different that they might get new names, new clothes, new everything. Okay, but do we have the delight part? Do we have the delight part that we mentioned earlier? Verse 11 says this, a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Oh, the delight is clear there. Just like I believe that the delight is clear every time we baptize people here. The ministry of Jesus was a ministry of invitation. I mean, how many times is Jesus portrayed as saying to people who might be part of this whole movement, how many times, how, how did Jesus recruit? Jesus said something like this, come and see. Come and check this out. I invite you, says God in Christ, to come and see. Christ's ministry was not a ministry of fear. It was not a ministry of ultimatums leverage, or manipulation. Hear this. The delight of God is experienced not when we are coerced. The delight of God is experienced when we, in gratitude, accept God's invitation to come and see. And that delight part is important. Especially since it doesn't seem like the chaos is ever going to stop, amen? <laughs> not even for Jesus. Right after his baptism, if you keep reading, it is the Spirit that drives him into the wilderness to be tempted. He's there amongst the wild beasts. Do you remember your baptism day? Many of you were baptized here behind me in the baptistry. And I just want to remind all of us, that we have for now decades around here been very intentional about our baptismal liturgy. And I hope you can spot in every one of those moments these elements. You have the waters of chaos <laughs> that are always, it seems like they're going to be ever present. But then you have the inviting voice of God, which sometimes takes the form of the inviting voice of Lisa. Amen? <laughs> and you have new creation. We firmly believe that the one coming out of the water, the one emerging from the water, is something different. And then there is this moment of unbridled delight. There is a reason I ask you to cheer like crazy people when somebody comes out of the water. It's because I want the person in the pool to experience some evidence, some indication of the delight of God. And you are that evidence when you smile and clap and cheer. And some of you even hoot and holler, both, hoot and holler. 
Is it possible that buoyed by that experience that we too then are going to be sent out into the wilderness, out into the chaos? Is it possible that the very same spirit will send each of us into the world that needs to know not only the presence of God, but also the delight of God? You see, the, the creation that God intends for each of us and for all of us, and that is the particular order to chaos that, that, is, that God uh, always has on offer, it happens only by invitation, and then when that invitation is accepted. Again, it will not be coercion, intimidation. It will not be fear-mongering or guilt-mongering. That's when you and I and we and all of us will experience the delight of God and new good creation. God's good creation is fashioned when God offers and when you or when I or when we or when anyone says yes. Have you said yes? Have you said yes recently? Have you said yes meaningfully to the invitation of God? To join God in the kind of covenant that makes a difference, yes, in your life, but yes, in all of life. We say one of our most beautiful yeses in the pool. And then each week, if you'll remember, each week, we are encouraged to remember the deep and beautiful yes we said at our baptism. That bowl of water right there could be the moment or the scene of your vow renewal each week. That's the reason I ask you to consider, at least consider coming by and dipping your fingers in the water. Now some of you will say, yeah, but that's a lot of grubby fingers in that water. All right, just come take a look at the water then. Just come take a look at it because the important part is not whether or not you touch the water, the important part is whether or not you remember that at one point you did say a deep and abiding yes and that it may be time to say another deep and abiding yes so that you can participate in the new creation that God is creating for God's people. I saw a story this week about Morgan Hartman. Morgan Hartman and her dad, that is her dad, Gordon. Now, Morgan has a few cognitive and physical disabilities. And all the way back in 2006, while on family vacation, Gordon looked out the window and saw that his daughter, suffering from these cognitive and physical disabilities, was just trying to play and fit in with the other kids at the hotel pool, and the other kids were having none of it. And so a kindly father says, it's time for a moment of creation. I will create a different kind of world. And perhaps that's the moment when Morgan's Wonderland was born. Y'all, there is a theme park in San Antonio for people just like Morgan. L let me read this paragraph for you out of the story. Like any good father who sees his child being hurt, Gordon set out to fix the problem and in a big way. He was already a philanthropist and a house builder, so he resolved to create a space where everyone would feel welcome, those with disabilities and those without. Four years and $35 million later, Morgan's Wonderland opened to the world. 
The nonprofit theme park now features 25 rides and attractions and offers free admission to anyone with a disability. It is considered to be ultra accessible, meaning all visitors have the same opportunity to participate and be included. Ultra accessible standards surpass those put into place by the Americans with Disabilities Act. The nonprofit notes, and all compliant accommodations must blend in seamlessly to the surroundings and never attract unnecessary attention to their use or existence. It's a model the organization is actively encouraging the wider community to adopt as well. But hear the words of this dad. It's the small things that make the big difference, having fun. And for too long, I think, individuals had to watch and say, I wish I could. Here at Morgan's Wonderland and all the different Morgan's venues, you don't watch. You participate. I hope that makes some sense. Gordon is here for us, at least an image of the God who invites us to participate. Knowing what there is to know about us, this God seeks to fashion a world around us where we can experience the very delight of God and life in all of its flourishing. But you need to say yes. And some of you are reluctant to say yes with your mouths, much less with your bodies. Let me ask you again as I sit down. Have you said yes? Because you know that you're invited, right? In every moment, you are invited to take the hand of the one who has extended this possibility of life to you, this covenant to you. In every moment, you are invited and the hope of God is not just that you would say yes, it is that you would say yes, but then beyond that, that you would become the next Gordon who would see an opportunity to put some skin and flesh on the invitation of God, the invitation of God to the next person, you know, your coworker, your family member, your goofy neighbor, we've all got one, your enemy, your opposite, your irritant, perhaps, you are meant to be the embodied inviter. Perhaps someone will finally, someday, experience the delight of God, not having been coerced, not having been leveraged, but just because he, she, you have been invited by the God who delights in you. Have you said yes? Have you said recently a deep and abiding yes? Is it time? And I'd like for you to mull this over while there are a few moments of silence, as you can see in your order. I'd like for you to mull this question over. When was the last time you said yes to the God who invites? <laughs>